That was Mr. Brightside by The Killers. You're listening to WOBN 97.5, The Wild Card, right here at Otterbein, right here in Westerville. Right now you're listening to Retrospection Radio Hour, which Nate is back with us. I'm back. After <laughs> two weeks, I'm back. He's back, <laughs> and he got a promotion. We used to have a uh, two different booths. And Nate was sitting in the booth behind a whole bunch of soundproof glass, and it was all sad and depressing over there, very dark. And now he's right across the table from me. I know. I've been promoted. It's been, you know, these past couple weeks I've been coming up. That's right. You've been working for free, and man, now you're working for free again. But hey, we're a little bit closer this time. (laughs) Right on. Yeah, I wasn't here last week. I went to go see the, uh, the Reverend Horton Heat over at Scully's. And he put on a really good show. I was I wasn't sure what I was expecting, but like once they came out and they started like they plugged in and like played, man, I was I was just off like a rocket the whole time. I was just jumping around having a good time, man. They rocked out. They they rocked the house. I was surprised. So were you gone for an entire week? No. I was uh I was gone the last three days in uh Nashville. My dad wanted to go see like a James Brown cover band, and uh, frankly, they they sucked. <laughs> but everything <laughs> else was pretty cool. We didn't really see like a whole lot because we weren't there for too long. But we got to see like the street called like Broadway, where there's just like all these honky tonks. Where there's just like every other bar you walk past, there's live music happening, and there's just people everywhere, and it was just all these old buildings, and it was like wasn't very long it was like a couple blocks but like we were just walking around there and it was it was awesome it was really cool who knew they'd have music in nashville of all places <laughs> yeah crazy such a strange idea yeah we went on this other thing it was like a riverboat or something and they had like some sort of band there and they just did a whole they just played a whole bunch of like country songs that one wasn't as cool it was too touristy for me but you know they had good food and stuff and it was like a river boat you know like a yeah like a paddle boat that was cool you know i like that kind of mark twain stuff americana but <laughs> the music wasn't it was just like come on <laughs> so just kind of generic music or it was country like, or it was like it was basically everyone they played like um it was like Hank Williams they played like Dolly Parton uh, they played like Elvis you know all the Nashville people i think they got pretty recent like faith hill and like garth brooks but you know i'm not really much of a country guy all my all the country people that i listen to are like dead (laughs) but (laughs) like but i i I like some country music not all of it but it 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 really depends on what it is but i know all too well i grew up I, i grew up liking generic pop music and just whatever you'd hear on the radio california girls Katy perry the killers mr brightside (laughs) Uh, all that stuff and eventually i kind of got into a swing that i enjoyed uh first one was michael jackson he died (laughs) and then i started getting into swing music and dean martin and frank sinatra i'm like man i wonder if these people are still around and i can no they're dead yeah they're very dead (laughs) (laughs) then i started getting into doo-wop and i was like oh yeah doo-wop that's like the next decade it's still got a lot of the musical instruments sometimes there's a bit of swing but i feel a lot of passion from this music everyone's dead uh and then a lot of, yeah a lot of good <laughs> harmonies too oh very good harmonies mr sandman Ooh, it's a good one that is a great one but yeah pretty much everyone i liked growing up through middle school and high school 
was dead. So recently, throughout sophomore, junior, and now heading into senior year of college, I've been getting into people who are still alive, which is wonderful when you start to enjoy living people. A lot of the people I've been listening to, however, are not that popular and don't do a lot of tours, especially in this area of oh, yeah. just Columbus, Ohio. So uh, that's Columbus depressing, is, but at least you're not a dead. dead zone. It used to be kind of popping. They used to have like the Polaris Amphitheater over there where like, yeah. Ikea is now. And I heard like a lot of people came there. Like I just found out. Well, I found this out because I before we left, my dad was like, hey, uh, you know, at this time, Fish is going to be playing in Nashville. And I was like, I was like, cool, we're going to go see him. It's like, no, because the only t- <laughs> the cheapest tickets are like three hundred dollars. I was like, that's understandable. And I was like, well, can we at least walk around like the lot? Because it's like Fish is just like they're like the Grateful Dead in, in the sense that like they just have a whole bunch of people that just follow them everywhere when they tour. And they have like tents and stuff and they sell stuff and there's other, you know, not radio friendly things that go on (laughs) (laughs) that I can't talk about. But it's it's called Lot it with the dead with like the Grateful Dead. It's they call it Shakedown Street because it's named after one of their songs. But I wanted to walk around and like see that stuff and like maybe I don't know, maybe try to sneak in. We didn't. I wanted to, but there was there was no you know vantage points and whatnot, but I got to hear them. I, we sat outside this. It wasn't like the amphitheater or whatever, and we got to like hear like the first set. But it was really good, and I was just like, man, kind of. It's like <laughs> I one wish of those, I was there. It's one of those things where like you hear an artist you haven't really listened to in a while because you've been listening to other stuff, and you're like, man, I forgot how good these guys were, and like I started like they played really made me upset because they played like literally one of my favorite songs by them and i was like man what i would <laughs> I, I wish give i was to watching them yeah. instead of just listening we were like behind the stage and i was like seeing like some of the lights and i was like i wonder what kind of lighting they're doing at this point and i was like oh well i guess i'll never find out and i saw like pictures that they were posting like after and i was like that looks so cool <laughs> <laughs> let me tell you the lighting at rock concerts and stuff i, oh, I used yeah. to do stuff for rock city which frankly isn't much but it they still like to do a lot of lights and a lot of moving lights. So I, I learned a lot of those moving lights and flashing stroby stuff with fog and all that. And then talked with some of the people who had worked there. And even when I went and saw, I was about to say My Chemical Romance, not them. Uh, I can't remember what they're called. They're the, they're the popular ones, Brendan Urie. Super high oh, voice, dude. Panic chem- at the Disco. Pa- that's it. <laughs> you were about to say My Chemical Romance again. I don't know. <laughs> See, yeah. it's band names and people names I don't do well. I can remember a movie. I can remember a scene. I couldn't tell you if it was Dolly Parton or uh, Angelina Jolie in the film. Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite. I just get like... Like I just, I just want like when I'm really into something, I want to know everything about it, <laughs> like, or as much as I can. Like I try to find like documentaries and stuff or like interviews or whatever, just whatever. But like when it comes to like rock concerts and like lighting, like with, I don't want to harp on fish, but I really like. <laughs> I'm really, really having just like a whole little attack right now. But basically, like the lighting guy is like a member of the band because they just. They they're not like the dead where it's like the dead they kind of jam kind of slowly and stuff but like fish they go they're really fast so like 
they're really talented musicians like you know pardon their like reputation that they have for like being a kind of hippie movement yeah kind of like <laughs> a a, a quote-unquote like a druggy band or something like yeah. that but they're really talented musicians though and that's what kind of like irks me i'm like come on man like give them a chance like they're really good like some of their stuff sounds like it's like orchestral sounding like the relate but anyway like the lights are just like all over the place and they go with the music and like they when they get into the jams like they seem to like match up and like sync up because like you know if you're doing that you got to be like really paying attention and just be like got to make sure that this happens at this time and sometimes like the band like mess with the lighting guy and like do something at a different time and just like make them do something and just like <laughs> <laughs> they've just they're always kind of comedy oriented they just like messing around with people and just doing stuff because it's funny and i'm just like i you know i really can get behind that mindset that's yeah, just why living I, life having a good time very yeah, hedonistic pretty much yeah it's all really good and uh but the james brown cover band we saw was really lame <laughs> It's <laughs> just like, I don't know what it, it was like at some random like winery or something. And there weren't that many people there. And I thought it was going to be like one of those like tribute band tribute bands. So they like dress up like and stuff. No, it was like some guy wearing like skinny jeans and like a button up shirt. And he had like big like, I don't know how to describe it. Like, I don't know. But it was like he had big hair and just like these orange glasses <laughs> <laughs> and he was he was kind of dancing a little bit. I thought he was going to do the whole like splits and like, you know, stuff like that the James Brown moves, but he 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 started flossing at one point. Oh. And I was like, uh, and, I just, and there were all these like white people there and they were just kind of dancing around, you know, like where they're just kind of like they're just kind of like, you know, like just kind of <laughs> just swaying to and fro, but not really feeling the music. Just kind of they're just moving. They're somewhat they're vaguely rhythmically walking around. Yes. Just like big floor. And me and my dad, and my brother just sitting at this table and we're just like, I, I didn't want to please. I didn't want to say anything at first because I like I felt bad because like my you know, we came all the way down here to see this. But then my dad was like, this is unwatchable. This is terrible. I'm like, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> We left after, like, I don't know how long we were there for, like, an hour or something when they started playing. We were just, like, I think after, like, a few songs, we are like, let's get out of here. And I was like, all right. <laughs> but, you know, other than that, even though, you know, the journey is better than the destination, the other stuff that we did, not the little that we did there, it was fun. I want to go back there. I've never been to Nashville before. It was a cool city. Nashville's very unique. It is. I've got a lot of friends who've been there. I've not been there myself, but a lot of music history there, which is very cool. Yeah, like even on the uh, the Broadway Street we were walking down, there was like, you know, all these like different places. Apparently, Kid Rock has his own honky tonk like place. <laughs> like a, it was like three stories, and I was like walking by, and it had this sign. It was like it was called Kid Rock's Big Kick, a word honky tonk and i was like you know that's a pretty kick rock name that's a that's just, that's, that's <laughs> like if kid rock was like what, what do you want your honky tonk to be it's like i want it to be big and i want it to kick butt and it's like okay what do you want to call it it's like i don't know and they're just like well we're just gonna call it kid rock's big kick butt honky tonk and i was like <laughs> yeah yeah really I, clever pretty, naming <laughs> and like suits your style <laughs> just all sorts of stuff just like literally every other bar just had loud music coming out of it and it was like really fascinating like you'd walk by you'd hear like 
Hotel California, and then you'd walk past another, and you'd hear like, I don't know, uh, some. We we heard one person playing Apple Bottom Jeans with a, like an acoustic guitar, <laughs> and there was another. There's like someone else playing like you know Sweet Child of Mine, you know, and stuff like that. And I was like, man, there's like so many people here. It's like just coming in and out, like. But one of the ones that kind of fascinated me, it was like ten o'clock at night, so we didn't get to like see it, see it. But I guess like Ernest Tubb has like a record store. And it says, like, oh, this is the Ernest Tubb record store. It's been around for, like, 74 years. And I was like, that's really cool. I wish I could go in there, but it's closed right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I was, like, I was just seeing, like, all this stuff. Like, you know, they had, like, the country. We we were, like, we were outside the Country Music Hall of Fame. We didn't really, like, have time to, like, go in there and stuff like that. But it was was a big building. It was bigger than I thought. And even the Grand Ole Opry was, like, big, too. Not like the new one they have I, I think it used to be at some place called like the Ryman Theater but we got to see that too like we 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 went past it and stuff like that just a little bit of sightseeing but there is a lot like with it too and like I think like Bob Dylan like hung out there for a, a while like in the mid to late 60s and like a lot of his really good stuff was recorded there and stuff like that it's just like man I can like, only what? imagine the amount of just music studios that are thrown throughout nashville oh they're probably everywhere there's probably so much that make your head spin <laughs> like with i mean i can see why they called it music city because even when we were like away from like the live music whatever like we just hear like a lot of cars playing loud music and stuff like that and even like when we were walking away from like when we were sitting outside of the fish concert like I got to give it to their sound engineers because even we were like all the way up the hill, like walking away from it, you could still hear it really clearly. Like, yeah, that's not easy. And even the lights, like you could see the lights shining out like onto buildings, like in the distance. And I'm like, man, it's like, these guys got it going on. (laughs) Like they got all the good, like it was so clear. Like we were sitting behind it. I was like, oh, it sounds kind of like murky, but. I mean, even for sitting behind the stage where we were at, just kind of hanging out, you could still hear it really well. I was like, man. It's like even my dad was asking me because, like, I've been in, like, you know, went to audio engineering school and stuff, and he always tries to ask me because he's like, oh, do you think these guys sound good? Do you think their their sound's good? And I was like, and I kind of sat there for a second, and I listened, and I was like, well, for being behind where the sound is supposed to be directed towards, it sounds really good. <laughs> I, was, I was about to bring up that point and the fact of, if you're playing and it's going towards the audience, the sound is literally going away from you and then basically bouncing and going yeah. around to hit you in the back. So if it still sounds pretty good, it sounds pretty good. That's good. But I was I was really trying to find a way to sneak in. I was like, I really want to see this. <laughs> I was like I got it. Like I was hearing like all these uh, like even like the first few songs they played all these songs that I liked, and I was like, like I want to get in here. <laughs> I was like looking around like for gates and stuff, but I was like, no, I'm not going to get arrested today. <laughs> not in Nashville of all places. <laughs> I'm sure they're pretty lenient. I'm sure they have a lot of people who uh tend to try and hop over the fence at concerts. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. And like you know, we saw just all sorts of people. There's one dude that walked up to us who's like, he was like trying to psych himself up. It's like, should we just run through like it was like we were standing near like where the entrance is, like where you like you know go through the metal detector. It's like, it's like yeah. He's like, you think we should just run in there, or whatever. <laughs> you know, they can't get all of us. And like my dad's just like, I don't know. You do what you got to do, man. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, what if, 
It's like, what if you just kind of walk through, act like what you're doing? You pull your phone out, try to do your taking, you just act like you're all spun out, and then they just kind of let you in. He's like, try it. And then, like, I think he just, I guess he just psyched himself out of it because he just walked away and sat down somewhere. And I was just, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, you're talking all this talk about sneaking in. You're not even going to try it. Like, what are they going to do? They're just going to tell you to leave. But even I was thinking, like, I should just, like, run through some gate and just get into the crowd. As long as you're in the crowd, they'll just, like, absorb you. And they won't get you. Because, <laughs> like, you know, one one person amongst a whole bunch of hippies, the hippies aren't going to give you up. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I can – either the security is really good or – It was pretty good. They even it had, was pretty good? They had a couple cops on horses. Oh. Ooh. I was like, wow. <laughs> I wanted to – See, I wasn't expecting that for a fish concert. I was expecting it to be a little bit more uh, laid back. I thought so, too. And, like – and a lot of the people that were, like, watching, like, some of the other, like, side gates, like, they weren't, like, for people, just, like, I guess just service gates, I guess. Like, there were people, like, sitting around there, like, these old dudes, and I think, and I'm just sitting there thinking, it's like, man, imagine these guys, like, hey, you gotta work this concert tonight. Oh, yeah, what is it? Oh, it's fish. It's like, okay, and then he just sees all these, just, these freaks walking around. <laughs> I can just imagine what he's thinking. They're like, what's a fish? It's like, what is this? Who are these people with tie dye? And they're talking about all these songs. What? What's a? What's a? What's a Reba? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> well, it makes me think of the Ohio Theater. All of the people at the Ohio Theater are volunteers, with few exceptions. And I can only imagine some of the Broadway musicals that stop by <laughs> that some of the older people may not have heard of, and they're like, "Dear Evan Hansen, huh?" Like, I'm sure they know of Les Mis and Little Mermaid yeah. and all that stuff. But some of the newer age stuff where it talks about, like, mental health and suicide and, you know, sadder topics, I'm sure the older people are like, but why? What? <laughs> I why would you make a musical? I, I'd honestly be right there with them. I can't keep up with these Broadway musicals nowadays because, <laughs> like, the problem I have with them, and I mean, this might be a, a controversial opinion, I think a lot of them sound, like, similar. Yeah. Like, uh they sound like I remember I was in like art class and like my teacher was playing like all these. I think one was from like one about like some people on a plane. Forget what it was about. But these people stuck in an airport. And then it was like Dear Evan Hansen. And I literally thought it was the same musical until I heard someone say it's like, oh, Dear Evan Hansen. And I was like, it's like, what? <laughs> I was like, huh? wait, this is a different musical now? <laughs> yeah, I if only Dustin were here, he'd know a lot more on the subject. But from my understanding of the way that the music I, in musicals goes it tends to reflect society which is why 40s 50s music was for you was very swing then you got into your kind of doo-wop stuff then you got into more rock and roll jukebox style musicals. yeah like in the 80s with like you got like um like Miz, phantom opera. both rock operas yeah and then modern day has kind of taken a more pop hip-hop style which especially if you don't listen to that type of music it all sounds very similar but yeah. also the singing techniques have changed a lot over time, which to me makes it sound like pretty much everyone, male or female, sounds the same. Yeah. But admittedly, I'm I sure if you like listen they use, to it like, enough. I don't know if this is true, but I feel like could it be that they just use a lot of the same actors or something like that? Like, There's there definitely a few actors that travel around to, uh, especially acting and theater is always very elitist. So oh, yeah. I guarantee that a few of those people, for instance, I'm thinking Sarah Boggess, 
who's done Ariel in The Little Mermaid and uh, Fiona in Shrek. Brian D.R.C. James has been in quite a few things. A lot of these bigger name Broadway stars have been around and are in a lot of original cast recordings for things. And especially some of the newer people are in a lot of the original cast recordings because they keep getting cast. I'd imagine so. Like, I feel like that they would be like kind of like move like Hollywood actors are like they're always in like different movies and stuff. Because like, I mean, theater like Broadway and theater are kind of different. But, you know, I imagine they still have actors that people are like, oh, this guy's really good. I can't think of any because I'm not really like too into Broadway. I think my like my favorite musical probably goes to like the music man because i just like the idea of it <laughs> what do you talk what do you talk what do you talk what do you I, I honestly it's my favorite because of the barbershop quartet because they're uh. just my favorite part and also the fact that it's just literally about a guy who's just conning an entire town <laughs> and i just like the idea of that as a musical <laughs> it's just like hey pool uh, is bad and you need to buy this stuff from me these instruments you gotta teach your kids how to play music because uh, it, pool is evil. Those darn billiards, and I'm just like, this is, this is, this is good. <laughs> I it, it took a while. A lot of these musicals that I enjoy now had to grow on me. Uh, that's one of the ones that grew on me a little bit more. We had done it in Westerville. Yeah, that's like what got me into it. Like something. I, I think I knew like the, like the only thing I knew about the Music Man was just like uh, 76 trombones, and that's about it. <laughs> Led the big parade. Oh, we uh. Last week, we played the Parade Medley, which is a barbershop quartet, and at the end of it, it goes into Music Man. Yeah, my I think my favorite song from there was like Light a Rose, and I was just like... Was Light a Rose, it. I'm holding in Rose. I love that song, and then they played the... I, I don't know what the song is that leads out of that. I think it's like Will I Ever Tell You. I just... One of my favorite things is just how people lead from like one song into another song. Like the Grateful Dead do that a lot. They have like... They're known for like... They have certain songs where if they play that song, they almost always go into another song. Like, there's one song they have called, like, China Cat Sunflower, and they almost always go into this other song called, like, I Know You Ride, which is, like, an old traditional, like, folk song. But, like, if they play that, they always go into it. Otherwise, like, if they don't, people are like, what? (laughs) (laughs) But, like, they've done it for, like, 50 years. I'm just like, I love that. Just it's just they lead. I like the seamless kind of transition yeah. and stuff. I don't know why I'm just a real sucker for it. There's there's two things that brings to mind. Uh, there's a Norwegian pop group that's a bunch of women, and they're called Katsenjammer, and I've been listening to them since high school, but I really got into them this past year. And all of their albums are set up to tell a story while not being very forward about telling a story. So it's like a concept album? Yeah, kind of like that. It, it's it got a little overture that leads into the first song, and sometimes first song leads into the second song, and a lot of stuff like that. And they're just very unique and different, because they had one called Le Pop, which is more electro-swing pop music, and then they went into a more slower album. And one of the other groups I like who are not very big, but I've played them on other radio shows, Big Fat Meanies. I think they're from, like, Pennsylvania or something. They're a ska punk band, and they have one album, and they have an acoustic cover of that album. 
but they in that first album it's all nautical themed so everything they do and sing about has reference to ocean or maritime things so i think it's very interesting shanties and stuff no not quite it's it's just ska punk with the maritime theme i'm not sure how else to explain it because they don't really have any sea shanties in there they have a few things that definitely feel very ocean-like the album cover is a man in an old diver suit that's got like the bronze head on top of it yeah one of those very old diver suits but it's it's just interesting to listen to i'll probably play them at some point on the show that does sound cool i like that one of the people i grew up on that my dad liked and he showed to me is called i was about to say david attenborough that's not it. <laughs> David Attenborough, the nature documentarist. Uh, I was like, he makes music? I want to say it's David Arkenstone, something Arkenstone. And basically, I am expecting to get a text message here in a second to correct me. But basically, he writes a short story and then he creates the music that goes along with the short story. That sounds cool. It's I like that. It's very interesting. It's all uh, classical instrumental, like film-styled music, so there's a lot of build-up, and it just doesn't sound like a rock show or anything. It's it's very classical. I do like music like that. That just, like, it's not, it's just regular music, but, it's, like, it's not like a soundtrack, but it just sounds so, like, cinematic. I think exactly. Like, like, one that I heard recently was, like, I kind of got into, like, Nina Simone recently. Mm-hmm. But, like, I, I listened to her before, but it was only, like, like a few songs. But I th- there was one that I heard it was, like, it was called, like, Feeling Good. And I heard it, like, come out, like, on a lot. Like, I heard I heard it around, and I was like, this is a good song. What is this? And it's just, like, there's, like, these horns in the background, just, like, these strings. And it sounds like something that would be, like, in a movie. It kind of is, like, it's kind of like Live and Let Die by, like, Paul McCartney. It's, like, yeah. all these strings. Live and, and let it die. sounds yeah. yeah, it sounds like... It kind of reminds me of that, but it's, like, a lot slower. It's just, like... I'm just, like, this is awesome. It just sounds like some, like, a bad guy just, like, strutting away from just, like, a fire or something. <laughs> it's just, like, just really... just got a lot of attitude to it. I'm just, like, I love this. I've been listening to a lot of classical music lately. I don't know why. It was just one day I was out taking a whole bunch of pictures for stock footage and B-roll and was like, I don't have anything to listen to. You know what? I'll just listen to Carmina Burana and Diaseri and all these different classical style stuff. And I found a play this that is, I think it was called... Music for villains sitting in their armchair, or like <laughs> something like that. Uh, and I found the same playlist on YouTube, and the picture is of just an armchair in front of a whole bunch of rain falling, and it's playing all this really amazing, epic, classical <laughs> stuff that just makes you really... feel a little bit evil, but also makes you feel like you want to go 50 jumping jacks or something. Yeah. It's a good time. That sounds awesome. I like that. Yeah, it's just <laughs> evil armchair music. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was one of those things where it was just, I don't know what to listen to. Ah, this sounds interesting enough. Ah, I enjoy this. And then thus begins another phase of enjoying different types of music. I did. I remember when I was in, uh, when I was like in Chillicothe doing like 
my audio engineering like workshop and I had a lot of downtime because they didn't have very good internet and they didn't have TV. So a lot of it was just me like studying at the beginning, like just reading like the textbook and like all these going over these handouts that they gave us and stuff. And I started listening. I was listening to a lot of Frank Zappa when I went in there Mm -hmm. and by in turn, I was like kind of getting into the other stuff that like influenced him. Like I started, I listened to like Igor Stravinsky. I listened to like the Firebird suite and like, the Rite of Spring and stuff like that. And it's like really cool stuff. And I think I listened to a little bit of like Rhapsody in Blue, but it was mostly like Igor Stravinsky. It was those two I remember specifically, the Rite of Spring and the Firebird Suite. But they're just like, it's really different than what was like going on. It's like really, like some of it's like really like kind of like, dun, like you'll have like one song, it's like, doo, 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 and then you just have like, like something really loud happen. It's just like, <laughs> It's all over the place. Is it powerful loud, or does it sound like someone sneezed and accidentally hit the keys on piano? No, no, it's like, it's like, dun, 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 and it's like really <laughs> foreboding sounding. Like, I'm sitting here, like, it's like, mm-hmm, this is good, and like, it's a nice, pretty sounding, like, quiet, and then it just goes, like, it was, it was the Firebird suite, I think, like, right in the middle, it just gets really loud and just, like, evil foreboding. I'm just like, oh, my, it, like, it made me jump. I was like, ah, <laughs> it's like sitting in a chair. And this, like, you know, just reading, just, like, being very relaxed, and all of a sudden I'm just stirred out of, like, this trance. And I'm just like, oh, come on. And I'm listening to it, it's like, this is good, too. <laughs> the uh, soundtracks to our lives, I swear. Uh, have you listened to The Planets? I don't think I have. What, are, what, are, what do they do? So The Planets are up in our solar system. Uh, they're, they yes. tend to revolve around the sun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> funny joke. So I thought you were talking about a band for a second. I was no. Like, <laughs> so the the concert itself is called the Planets, or is it like a classical piece? Yeah, it's classical. Oh, okay. So, I think I've heard of it, like the name, but I don't know if I've like listened to it. I might have heard like bits of it, obviously, somewhere. So it's the same way that like Diaciri and the Funeral March have inspired pretty much everything, like. John Williams takes a lot from Diaciri, uh, including the Force theme and some of the other Star Wars and Jurassic Park stuff. Now you mention it, that does sound a lot like Diaciri. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Mars is one of the planets. It's basically a soundtrack for every single planet. And I like Mars the best because it's very powerful and sounds very strong. And... Mars has inspired some of the Star Trek and Star Wars music, especially stuff like Wrath of Khan. It's very interesting to go back to these original classical pieces that sound like they're soundtracks, but they're not really. It was just meant for people to go there, take a little bit of a nap, listen to some music that they like when it gets really powerful, and then take another nap and kind of going back and forth. That's the way that those concerts were designed to get you very invested and then kind of let you you know, have a good time and not do anything and the music's very calm and quiet and then it goes back to really amazing music and I've always I have thought about that lately like I remember one time I was just kinda sitting around and I was like thinking about it. I was like, man, it's like at one point in time this stuff that we listen to is like very highbrow, very like, oh yes, this is Mozart, <laughs> this is Beethoven. That stuff was like pop music back then. Like that was yep. like that was just what was popular and a lot of like popular music like a lot of the stuff that 
you see on like a oh, classical music uh, CD number 254 like a lot of like you know just kind of like very well known stuff there's just a lot of crossover and just like a lot of stuff that was just like people did because that was like popular whereas like people like Stravinsky they're like what are you doing <laughs> and like other like people like that I can't think of any other like Edgar Varess and stuff like that just like really out there stuff that just really breaks the rules but like a lot of it was just like kind of like now you know we have like you know it always has to be four four and like a good boom bap you know kind of beat you know quantized and you know stuff like that a really catchy chorus about like partying or something <laughs> first like, thing that comes to mind fun some nights <laughs> We are young, you know. Yep, party in the USA. But like, I've noticed that like a lot of songs, it's I don't know what kind of beat I would call it, but it's like the one example I can think of is like "Blank Space" by Taylor Swift. It's like that beat's like boom, ba boom. It's just like I hear that everywhere. everywhere. It's yeah. like I'm like I listen. I heard it one time. I was like, that's a cool beat. And then I heard a bunch. And then like I heard some other pop songs. I was like, <laughs> it's that's, the same beat. I was like, that's. <laughs> I was like, that's how they do it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, you'd be surprised. Drums have gotten very, very simple compared to their rock and roll days where you had the drummer just in the back having yeah, a doing, good time. Yeah, and doing like throwing his hair around. Yeah, like Keith Moon or like Mitch Mitchell and stuff like that. Like, if you listen to like Fire by like the Jimi Hendrix experience, the drummer's just going crazy in the background, <laughs> just absolutely insane. Just like, like, I never noticed that until, like, my dad was, we were listening to it. It's like, I like the drums on this song. They're just like, and I was listening, I was like, oh, my God. It's like, it's like here I am listening to Jimi Hendrix, and meanwhile, there's just this crazy drummer behind him. And even, like, you know, there's, like, even, like, back then, there was a lot of people doing, like, polyrhythms and, like, weird time signatures. Like, Money by Pink Floyd, it's, like, in 7-4. And then, like, when the guitar solo happens in the middle, it's, like, 4-4, four, four, and it's, like, it's like what is it? and then it goes back in the seven four and it's like what is this <laughs> i like it's so weird to think about like this stuff was like popular and it's like all these like or even like led zeppelin they did a lot of weird time signatures like try dancing the black dog by led zeppelin you can't dance to that song because it's like <laughs> it's like i remember I heard someone say that and i was like you know what you can't dance to that song. <laughs> yeah, when you take stuff out of even measurements, such as 4-4, 8-4, 8-12, I don't like know. Like 6-8. 6-8, that's what I'm thinking of. 3-4, 4-4, and like 6-8 are like the most, like those are the three ones that people do a lot. And like I think, yeah, 3-4 is like a waltz. 4-4 four, four is like a regular like four on the floor, like rock beat in 6-8 is like a shuffle I've heard it described as. Yeah, more of a blues shuffle. But it's like I 6 8 is the one that I have trouble like grasping. And it's like there's other ones that like get even crazier like polyrhythms. There's like I think there's one it's a song by the Grateful Dead. It's called like the 11 and it's like 11 8 time <laughs> signature and it's just like really weird but it's like it's still like cool. It's like different but it's you know, you can't really dance to it. <laughs> but I just like hearing weird stuff like that, just like different, like strange rhythms that like aren't really the most danceable in the world. But you know who cares? You know you just gotta. It's something to listen to. Sometimes you just gotta like, you gotta mix it up and just hear something you've like never heard before. 
that's kind of how I am. Like sometimes you just gotta like, if one minute you're listening to the Who and the next you're listening to like Blind Boy Fuller or like Robert Johnson or something, it's like you know whatever you know, live and let live. You know <laughs> how it is. <laughs> so that brings up a story I learned a long time ago. There was this saxophonist named Paul Desmond, and he is a jazz guy from 20s and 30s, and jazz is written in a certain style, a certain key signature, and most people adhere to it. And one day he's talking with some other famous jazz musician. Can't think of the name right now. I already said names are bad for me. And basically the jazz musician says, no way you'd be able to do like 5-4 or 5-6 or something like that. (laughs) And Paul Desmond goes, ah, okay. And he creates a song called Take Five. Oh, yeah, like Dave, the Dave Brubeck song? Yep. Yeah, that one, I I remember, like, I learned that time signature, like, at a very early age, but they didn't tell me that it was 5-4. It was like, it's like, all right, here's this song. It goes, like, one, two, three, one, two, and, like, you have to do this thing that, like, is to the beat, and I'm like, and like I never really, th- I never really thought about it since then. And then I was like, I heard that song. It's like, yes, this is five four. And I was like, five four. I was like, strange. <laughs> Duly noted. Now I know what that is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's called Take Five Five Four, and it's one of those. At least to me, it's one of the original odd time signature things. Where of course it's jazz. Everything works in jazz. You play the wrong note. Well, it was supposed to be the wrong note. Something like that. But uh. You know, sometimes if you play the wrong note, you got to be wrong strong. That's right. Well, I watched this wonderful video on YouTube of a guy who was playing classical music on his saxophone, and he plays the wrong note. And then every three or four notes, he's playing the wrong note. And then he changes the song into jazz, and then he plays the wrong note, and it just fits. Yeah. (laughs) I think I heard, like, Miles Davis or something say that. It's like, like, basically just... If you're playing the wrong note, play it with confidence so that they think you did it on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) So for the people who are musically inclined in the back going, man, I don't think that's the right note. That's not the right key signature. Miles Davis is all over the place with that stuff. Like he, like the amount his music changed from like kind of blue to like, I can't say the name of the album because it has a bad word in it. Ah, yes, the limits of radio. It it rhymes with witch's brew. (laughs) And, like, to go from, like, kind of blue where you have, like, oh, like, blue and green and stuff like that and, like, so what? And then you go to, like, what the album that rhymes with witch's brew. (laughs) And you get, like, I can't remember the names of the songs, but it's just, like, really just like it's it's really psychedelic and really like electric and it's just like completely different from so cool and then like a few and like you even go to like the next album it's more like rock i think it's called like a tribute to jack johnson or something like that and it's like goes to rock and then you have like on the corner which is has like all sorts of like indian kind of inspired instrument like a lot of eastern instruments and stuff in it like instrumentation and just all this stuff and then you go even further into like the eighties. He's doing something different. And like he, he's just constant like reinvention. Even like a lot of the great bands kind of like do that. They just constantly just change and reinvent themselves. Like even the Beatles. Like you go from like oh like Help or something like that. Like the album Help, and then you go 
to like rubber soul and it gets a little more like folky and a little bit different and then you go into revolver which is just tomorrow never knows <laughs> and that song is just like tape loops and just weird talking like lyrics about like you know like turn off your mind relax and float downstream it is not dying and it's just like what <laughs> is this <laughs> why <laughs> it's just like just and then you got like eleanor rigby and stuff like that and it's just like i can't imagine just being like a beatles fan in the 60s when like all this stuff was coming out and it's just like oh yeah you know like nowhere man and then the, the next is just like you know forget everything lay There's down nothing. and literally it's just literally says lay down all thoughts surrender to the void <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think it's it's the same thing with like the first season of a tv show a band may start with a album but it's going to change over time everyone's going to start feeling different journey is one of uh the co-host from last week one of his favorite bands no, sorry, not Journey, the Eagles. The Eagles, and they put out a lot of good stuff in the 80s, and then after the suicide... They did really change of, up. Like, yeah. They kind of sounded their like really early stuff. I think like like Take It Easy and like Peaceful Easy feeling. It sounds like something like like Pure Prairie League or like Leonard Skinner, like really just kind of like country rock. Yeah. And then you get into like life and then and then joe walsh comes in and he just changes everything <laughs> yeah it becomes more of like i don't know if i could say it a rock band or it, it's a little bit more generic rock they they get more into like you know dad rock yeah but like you know the eagles are good a lot of like a lot of people kind of like ah oh, man screw the eagles but it's like I i've can, heard hotel california five times today stop <laughs> yeah i can i can understand the mindset of that and like, mate, and like, I don't listen to the Eagles as much as I used to, cause like, my thing is, it's like I like them and I love Joe Walsh. She's really great, but like, I don't know. I just like weirder stuff. Like I'm just like, this is good, but it's just not weird enough for me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you like, like I, the hippie stuff. I like not like hippie stuff, but just like stuff off the beaten path. Just like, mm. you know, stuff that's just hippie stuff is good because they. They, they go off the beaten path. <laughs> very much so. And they're I, lost in the forest somewhere and don't even know that there was a path in the first like place. And even, like, really weird stuff, you know, like, I don't know, like Captain Beefheart and, like, stuff like that where it just gets even just, like, to the realms of just weirdness. And even, like, Frank Zappa where it's just, like, these crazy rhythms and, like, it sounds like it's almost classical and how, like, like, orchestrated it is and, like, perfectly planned out and just, like, everything is to the like i don't know just really just on point and then like but the lyrics at the same time are like really just humorous there's one song called like oh no by like the mothers of inventions like frank zappa's like first band or at least the first band where he like he broke out and like he has there's this song and it's just like it sounds like the melody is like something like you would hear in a concert hall like something really just like orchestral sounding and it's the whole lyrics are just making fun of hi the hippie just kind of mindset it's like oh you think you can change the world with like your love can like solve all the hate it's like you're <laughs> i think you're probably out to lunch <laughs> it's 
It's like I it's like, oh no, I can't believe you would really that you know the true meaning of love. It's like, do you really think it can be told? And I'm just like, wow. Slightly philosophical. Like all the all the late sixties stuff from Frank Zapp was just him like not only making fun of hippies, but making fun of the people that the hippies were against, like the parents that were like, Oh, this is just preposterous. <laughs> like it's rabble, make, rabble, rabble. like it's just like it's not like, oh yes, we're the the love, we're gonna change the world, and we're better than you squares. It's just pretty much like Frank Zapp was just over here in the corner saying, You guys are both None of you good. He's like, You guys are both stupid. And I'm gonna make mute and like but yet the hippies loved Frank Zapp. Well at first they hated him. Like all the hippies in like LA, you know, they in LA there was like a really weird they're like really folk rock. Like the hippies are kind of elitist. Like when you kind of like really delve into like the mindset, like they hate elitist hippies. <laughs> it's really weird to think about. And like I used to be kind of into the hippie thing, but like I kind of like, I kind of got like disillusioned by it. Like I like the hippie stuff, but like, you know, I like you eventually I kind of gained like kind of a cynicism. But I can still like I can kind of somewhat get behind like you know like people should like get along and stuff like that. And like that's cool, but like. It's like you got to be realistic about things at the same time. But it's just like in L.A. they had like this thing. And they were just like it was like the birds. Like if it wasn't if it didn't sound like the birds. Alfred Hitchcock's the birds. Like if it didn't sound like really folk rocky kind of stuff. They were just like we don't want anything to do with it. So like you have like there was the hippies and there were the freaks. And I don't know like the freaks were just kind of like very just like bohemian kind of people. And then you have. And, like, Frank Zappa, like, all the freaks, they really liked, you know, like, Frank Zappa and stuff because they just saw these weird guys. They weren't playing this stuff, and they are making fun of hippies and stuff. And <laughs> just really, like, crazy jazz fusion whatever. And, like, it's just weird to think about. And it's just, like, he literally said, like, we had to get out of L.A. because if we stayed here, we would have not made it. <laughs> like, we would have literally. The hippies were trying to assassinate us. Like, we would have. Like we would have shriveled up as a band, we our careers would have been over. So like they went to New York and they just rented out some theater for like, I think like six months or three months straight, and they just played every night, regardless if nobody showed up or if everybody showed up. Like if ten people showed up, they didn't care. They would just do whatever, and it was just all this crazy stuff. And like, it's just like really weird to think about. And then like then they got kind of famous, and like the Beatles loved them. All the hip, like eventually, like everybody in like London and stuff, they just loved Frank Zappa, like all the Beatles and stuff. They wanted to hang out with them, but meanwhile, like Frank is just really cynical and he's just like, "Yeah, you guys are kind of cool, but like this is dumb." Ah, <laughs> like, uh, yes, natural pessimism, my favorite thing in the world. And even he's like, one of his albums, they parody like the uh, the Sergeant Pepper album cover. It's called "We're Only in It for the Money," and he's asking like. He asked Paul McCartney, he calls him up and he's like, can we like parody this album cover for our album? And he's like, and like Paul like says like, you you do business? Like we have people that do that for us. And he's just like, it's kind of weird to think about just all these famous musicians. They were just like, oh yes, I'm going to do my music and live in La La Land and get in, you know, and do all this stuff and have fun and not worry about the business, even though they're <laughs> probably, like, doing some nefarious things. And it's just like, man, that's so weird to think about. <laughs> it's like, it's like these, it's, I don't know, it's just a really weird thing, the music business. It kind of like, when you kind of, like, really look into it, you're just like, what 
is this? <laughs> yeah, it's strange the fact that they'll just sing their songs to record what they need to, and then just kind of go live their lives, and then hundreds of other people get it, and they go through the edit. Well, not really hundreds, but you know, dozens of other people get the different songs. It goes to producers. They're like, okay, does this sound like Led Zeppelin? Do we want to put it out, or is this more of a, a Stevie Nicks sound or something like that? Or even like the legal stuff. It's just like, oh yeah, like they handle all the money and like the rights and stuff. It's like Paul McCartney doesn't even own most of his stuff from the Beatles. Like he got it stolen by Michael Jackson because <laughs> like in the eighties they collaborated and like, and Michael Jackson was like. Him and they were talking like uh, Paul McCartney's like yeah I acquired like the uh, I bought Buddy Holly's like catalog and I own the rights to it and it, like it helps me you know get money like you should like he was like you should look into this it's really cool and like you okay can invest I'll in buy it. you yeah that's literally what he said it's like I'm gonna buy yours he buys all the Beatles catalog and just doesn't give it back Paul does still doesn't have it <laughs> it's like ah, it's so but weird only one of them's dead I don't know who owns it I think it's owned by. I think it's I think it's owned by like Universal Music Group now because I remember like I posted this video from when I was at um like a Dead and Company concert and it was like they're covering Dear Prudence and I was I was filming like a drunk guy and he was dancing he was he was funny <laughs> <laughs> but as people are and I got and it got a copyright strike and I was like. I was like, what is this? It's like, oh, it's owned. You you are, you are have something that's owned by Universal Music Group. I was like, this is a cover of a Beatles song. And I looked it up, and I was like, it's owned by this. I think it's owned by like Universal Music Group. And I really just like, it's like, oh, yes. Do you want to dispute this, right? Like what you're disputing is like, well, for one thing, you own this. You say that you own this song. This is a cover of a song that's owned by Universal Music Group. So you really have no right to like strike this you have like this is completely out of your territory man like you know if universal music group was like hey you can't do this i'll i'm fine with that but you can't do this to me <laughs> it's like, I i'm some random guy from ohio what are you gonna do are you gonna take a 21 year old yeah it's like it's like literally less than a minute long video it's like are you gonna come after me with that <laughs> it's like who are a lot of those companies don't care but can you imagine a society <laughs> that we live in where if you get copyright struck on YouTube or something, they come after you and just sue you into the No, it wasn't the even on YouTube. It was like it was on Instagram or something. Oh. <laughs> well, like, yeah, Facebook and Instagram. Well, Facebook because they own Instagram. And they've like been I, having and, to. And it was uh, years after I posted it when it like when this happened. Like, I think it was like four, three or four years, and I was like, I was like, I don't even remember posting this. <laughs> I was like, what? It's like, what are you doing? They've been having to crack down a lot more on copyrighted stuff, just I like imagine. YouTube had to. Oh yeah, and, I remember on YouTube, like, oh, I got bad. <laughs> yeah, I remember, like, I was watching like full episodes of like un like unsolved mysteries on YouTube with like Robert Stack and stuff. I don't know why, <laughs> but I was. Watching. It was there. <laughs> it was really cool, and then like I went on it one time. I was looking for it. Cause I remember there was one episode that like really scared me, and I wanted to like go back and watch it to see if it was as scary as I remember. And I looked on YouTube, and it was like it was all gone. Everything was gone. I was like, "Where is everything?" And then I found out like later on when I was older, and I started to understand like what copyright stuff was. I was like, "Oh, that's what it was. It was Viacom coming in, just like, hey, you can't do this stuff." I can't tell you how many TV shows I watched on YouTube because I watched. 
all four seasons of Teen Titans when I was in middle school on YouTube. Uh, I watched some Ed, Ed, and Eddie on YouTube. I watched a lot of Cartoon Network stuff on YouTube because it was just there. People had uploaded them. I used to watch movies on YouTube. There used, like, oh, yeah. Sometimes, and some, I mean, lately you can kind of find some movies, like, that are on YouTube that you can't find anywhere <laughs> else. Like, there's one, I think it's, oh, I think it's Peter Jackson. I think that sounds right. But it was this movie he made called brain dead or like dead alive and it's like this zombie movie and it's just like the goriest movie ever there's like literally like gallons and gallons and gallons of blood just spraying everywhere it's just but it's like not really like a horror it's like a comedy but there's just like really like grotesque things that happen and it's <laughs> peter jackson was just like this is fine i'll make money from this yeah it was like really early in his career and it's just like i think they're demons i it's basically like they find this they're in this like they're on this expedition and they find like this rat monkey <laughs> <laughs> and it bites someone and they turn into a zombie and like then it like spreads and somehow gets back to this guy and like he's in this house and like I think his mom gets it gets bit or something and like all these people are like coming in and eventually the whole house is just flooded with like zombies and at one point he gets a lawnmower and just going through literally literally mowing down these zombies <laughs> it's just like there's a kung fu priest and there's like a demon baby that just goes around just like causing chaos and stuff it's <laughs> it's just it's insane and it's it's and it's just it's amazing <laughs> i can i can only imagine the man super famous for the Lord of the Rings trilogy is just like blood. Yes. <laughs> yeah. He has like such, I think another one he did was called like bad taste. I haven't seen it, but it's something about like the cover of the movie is just an alien given the finger. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, like that's like the image that is like, if you look up the movie bad taste, that is like the image you see. And I have not seen anything. I think it's like something about like aliens take over like a town or something. And that's about all I know about it. <laughs> oh, Peter Jackson. I think it's Peter Jackson. I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is. And even like Sam Raimi, like the evil dead movies, like yeah. how he went from that to like Spider-Man and stuff like that. Well, that's why people were so confused in the early 2000s when he got the Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone's like, you mean the guy that did Ash vs. the Evil Dead? And <laughs> like, he's like, he did the Evil Dead movies? He's doing Spider-Man? <laughs> <laughs> is this, is this Spider-Man the scary movie? or? But like, it kind of works out. Like It's a good, like, good Spider-Man movie. Yeah, they're good Spider-Man movies. It's strange for me to think sam raimi same guy who did you know the ash Demon. series yeah. evil dead <laughs> i want to swallow your soul yeah <laughs> and like even like the and even like from like the first evil dead to the second one is such a big jump and like not only like production value oh. but like just like just like stylistically and like the and like even like it got more humorous like in the second one like the first one's kind of like it's kind of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> so he had gone to like this cabin with a bunch of buddies and then just filmed it. Yeah. It became a movie. And then he didn't have the rights for the first one to continue off of it. So he basically, for the first like 10 minutes of the second one, completely redoes the first one and yeah. does like a recap. 
and then goes into the second one. And the way the Evil Dead series goes for the trilogy, it starts off as like kind of a messed up horror movie. And then it goes into a horror comedy where there's more emphasis on the horror, but there's still some pretty good comedy in there. Like the my favorite part is the I want to swallow your soul from my, my favorite the lady part in the basement. The, my favorite part in the second one is just like I forget what happens. I think he like Ash like falls down or something. Or I don't know what happens, but like literally like the deer like the deer head on the wall like comes alive and just looks at him, and starts laughing, and then the whole everything in the house laughing, and then it just stops. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember if like blood comes out of the wall. I don't know, but just like literally. no, it was it was just that he what he had done was he like chopped off his hand, and he was going crazy. Or this was right before he did that, but he he was basically going crazy from what happened in the events of Evil Dead One. Yeah, and then the deer head starts like moving around and laughing, and then basically everything else is laughing around with him, and then it's that sudden just stop right there I just, and he's like oh. <laughs> I just love stuff like that just like really just like surreal just kind of things that happen <laughs> like just non sequitur kind of stuff <laughs> just like it kind of what doesn't really it kind of reminds me of like adult swim kind of humor like a lot of the shows are just like really like just surreal humor like Aqua Teen Hunger Force or stuff like that <laughs> just like really just like out there stuff just like i just love stuff like that just makes i don't know why it's just like just anything that's just really out of left field i like stuff like that well and the final movie is not even horror it's a comedy and danny elfman had a soundtrack it's like an act it's like an action like an an adventure movie kind of and it's like a comedy and like so the (laughs) i don't know why he did this for the series um but the second one it begins with that recap of the first one and then the third one begins with the recap of the second one because the second one ends with him falling through a portal in time yeah, to like the crusades yeah it ends up in like medieval times exactly he's surrounded by a whole bunch of knights but the third one doesn't actually start that way they had to redo the previous ending in a different way in <laughs> order to start it differently so that way he's not immediately surrounded by knights and the story is like solved right there because he at the end of the second one he's surrounded by knights demons show up and he starts fighting but you know, if you're making a third movie, like, you can't start it off right there. I think literally he just ends up there. He's just like, oh, oh no. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> just like, that's it. Just ends. And it's like, what? <laughs> and, then sec- and like in the beginning of the third one, he's like working in like a department store or something like yeah. shop smart, shop S smart. <laughs> well, and then you've got the Ash versus the Evil Dead series. That show that starts off with. Was him re- working <laughs> yeah that show was aw- like i watched that show i haven't seen like the newest season but Don't. i watched like the first two <laughs> and it was really funny <laughs> yeah it's uh, there you go it's ash yeah uh, so the according to my dad he watched the series <laughs> the final episode is just a super cliffhanger it's been like 10 or something years since they finished it and they're never going to finish it and a lot of fans get really mad at that, but they're coming out with an Evil Dead game. I don't know if you saw that. I think they recently, like, I remember, like, I watched, like, the first two seasons, and at the end of the second one, like, I don't know what happened, but it was just, like, it was basically, like, everything's back to normal, and then, like, something happens, and it's, like, a cliffhanger, and I'm, like, I'm, like, what? And then, like, they <laughs> said, like, there's a third one now, and I'm, like, oh, okay, what? and I just haven't gotten around to watching it, and, like, I have like if I were to watch it, I'd have to rewatch the first two because I 
like it's yeah. a long well now time. I want to watch the second one again because I love that movie it's so weird yeah and even the <laughs> visuals like the part where he goes to the bridge and like the bridge is gone mm-hmm. it's like there's like this really like beautiful like matte painting and stuff and I'm just like wow it kind of I think like if I were to guess what the inspiration was is this Japanese horror film from the 70s called House and it's just like one of the weirdest I haven't seen all of it but like the parts I've seen it's just Creepy. like <laughs> literally every effect you can think of like special effect in 1977 like you know like there's like cutouts there's like you know kind of like blue screen matte paintings you know video effects and just like really crazy stuff i can't really just basically the plot is these i think like these girls go to this haunted house and just all this stuff happens but there's like parts where there's like matte paintings like that and i'm just like it reminds me of like I don't know if which came first, that or Evil Dead 2, but it just kind of reminds me of, like, that kind of feel. But even, like, the whole, like, and even as James Cameron, not James Cameron, Sam Raimi's Sam Raimi, movies yeah. got, like, even more advanced. Like, you can even see stuff in, like, Spider-Man that you can kind of, they're like, that kind of, like, that little thing is kind of Evil Dead-like. <laughs> like, just, like, the little effects that he does and how he, like, I can't, like, yeah just little things that you can just kind of notice and like one thing is that i like he has this running thing where he has this car like the car from evil dead that car he puts in every single one of his movies (laughs) like literally like i think there was one movie he did that was like a western or something like even there were no cars in it he had the car in the movie but they built like a wagon around it or something and like it was like a wrecked wagon you know like as a set piece and it's like he they had them build it around the car and like the car that uncle ben drives and like in spider-man that's the car like i forget what it is it's the it's a delta it's like yeah it's a delta i don't know like what kind of car it is. i just know it's that but like it's literally the same car from evil dead and it's just like yes i've had this car for years there's like maybe a couple other ones that are the same but it's it's the same car i've had since evil dead and it's and i have it in all of my movies and i'm like that's good <laughs> it's like that's what i want to do i just want to have some random innocuous object just put in every single thing that i do i forgot that there was an evil dead remake in 2013 oh there wow. was sam raimi has done a lot more stuff that i've seen than i remember him doing evil dead came out in 1981 and then you had spider-man 2002 but then you had stuff like dark man and crawl which don't watch crawl <laughs> i haven't seen terrible. dark man but the only part that i have seen is where he's like take the elephant <laughs> <laughs> so dark man very good memories for me i had gotten the trilogy as a kid there's a trilogy of them? yeah it's one two three sam raimi only did one and the first one had liam neeson and yeah. i sat down with a watch party a whole bunch of friends and we liked it and then the second one did what evil did or evil dead did and basically retold the story at the beginning of the first one except it didn't have liam neeson in it so they reshot a whole bunch of the scenes but with the new actor and he's british and you know liam neeson's not so (laughs) it uh it ended up being so bad we muted the film and then we dubbed it over it's (laughs) one of my best memories of watching a movie with friends ever because we all just took a character played the character didn't know what the plot was at all but we're just saying these stupid ridiculous things i love just watching bad movies like 
there was one I remember on Netflix like a long time ago they had just all these terrible monster movies there was one that was called like curse of the swamp creature and it was like literally I don't know where it was filmed like Texas or something it looks like Florida but they find like the I don't know what happens with these teenagers they find this like mad scientist and the swamp creature itself doesn't show up until like the last 10 minutes of the movie and it's like a dude it's a bald guy painted green <laughs> with like ping pong balls on his eyes <laughs> and like you know like pointed ears and like fangs and i guess it was one of the i'm i'm going to spoil it cuz it's just a terrible movie it doesn't even matter but the twi- like one of their friends got like captured by this scientist and made them into it was a girl and so this, I think her name was like Brenda or something, and she got made into this monster who is clearly not a female in any way. It's a big bald dude painted green, and he's like, they're like, Brenda, you can't do this. Like, look what he's done to you. You, oh my god, this is horrible. <laughs> like, you can't do this thing. Like, do you, you know, just think about yourself. Look at, look, look at yourself. And like, the scientist, she's like, no, don't listen to them. They hate you. and they're in this pool like it's supposed to be like a pool full of alligators but it's clearly just like someone's backyard pool with like lanai over it (laughs) and just like it's like you have to destroy yourself like you can't live like this this is horrible and then like the monster looks at its hands it's just like it goes toward the scientist (laughs) it throws this the mad scientist who like is literally just a skinny dude with glasses he doesn't look like a mad scientist (laughs) he just looks like a regular guy just throws him into the water and then the Brenda monster, that was murder and then the monster like stands at the pool at the edge of the pool and just like literally just like falls in <laughs> just like like just slowly leans forward until they fall into the pool and it's obviously a pool because the water's so clear and then it shows stock footage of alligators like <laughs> chewing on like a piece of white <laughs> fabric it's just like it's just the stupidest thing ever I I really got into watching those bad movies my freshman year of college, and Brant and I would sit down at least once or twice a week, and let me tell you, I have, I dropped my phone, (laughs) I have quite a few things on here to show you after the, uh, after the radio show. There was one movie about some genetically modified shark, but it barely showed up. And basically, these people were stuck in an island, and clearly, they only filmed within like, you know, 30 feet of every different shot. And there's one part where the bad guys are like, okay, well, you've got to swim out to sea because we don't need you anymore, and there can't be any evidence of your bodies. And then <laughs> Deus Ex Machina happens, and somebody comes in and rescues the day, but there was one part where a lady one of the side characters had walked into shallow water but was like on her knees and it was so evident that she was in super shallow water on her knees but it was supposed to look like she was really far out there (laughs) (laughs) and then this shark pops out of this super shallow water and the jaw goes through her instead of I, I don't know, instead of, like, eating her normally, it, it literally goes through her body, like, it clips through, <laughs> and then it, like, chomps down on her, and it's just this stock footage blood effect, and you're like, what? <laughs> what is this death? I feel so sorry for these people half the time, because they just 
die in the worst ways possible. <laughs> Why would you want that on your acting record? Yeah, I was the person who stood in a knee-high water and pretended to get eaten by a shark. It looked really cool in post-processing. No. <laughs> there was That reminds me of, like, there was this movie. So, you know, in the 40s, during, like, the golden age of horror, there was, like, you know, Frankenstein meets the Wolfman and stuff like that and all these, like, crossover movies. Basically, like, the, the universal horror movies, they're, like, the Marvel, like, cinematic, like, I mean, the movies weren't connected very well because, like, you know, once a movie was in theaters and it had its, the like, cycle, like, it was gone, so they kind of had to, like, just, basically, they just, like, change a lot of the things that happened in the movies that are supposedly sequels because people don't remember, so they didn't have to worry about continuity. But out of all those movies, there was no movie that was Dracula versus Frankenstein. <laughs> so in the 70s, like 1971, there was this independent film company. They made like some movie, and I think like they just added on Dracula and Frankenstein like toward the end. But it's like about this mad scientist, and he has the monster or something, and he and he hides out in like this 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 fun house, like this like a carnival, and he has Lon Chaney Jr. like working for him, who played the Wolfman. Like he's like a really like veteran actor, and he just is reduced to just playing this bumbling like assistant who just <laughs> grunts and just goes around killing people with an axe. It's just like he's like, eh, eh. I'm like, I was like, come on, man, this guy played the Wolfman, and it was his last movie. <laughs> oh, it's like Leslie Nielsen. He had such good movies with Airplane. And uh, the Naked Gun. It's even good in Creep Show too. Yeah, just all those, uh, all those kind of funny movies, and then his final movies were really, really bad parodies. Uh, where he would show up as like a cameo, have a couple funny lines, and it's him. He's always funny. Like the, uh, the Drake Bell movie. Rest in peace. Uh, the Drake Bell movie <laughs> that had Leslie Nielsen, and he was such a small role. But there's one scene where Drake Bell, it's a parody of Spider-Man. I think it's called like Superhero or Superheroes or something like that. And he walks into this apartment with Leslie Nielsen in it. And Leslie Nielsen like throws a tack or something very lethal, a sharp object at Drake Bell and he catches it. And then they go on this really funny banter back and forth. And it's really, it wouldn't be funny if it was anyone else. Maybe Jim Carrey, but like it just doesn't, work with anyone else but leslie nielsen the way he delivers lines he just does every just, time is perfect like he just does really silly lines and he just delivers them just very dry and serious <laughs> so the movie i was talking about earlier was called jurassic shark it had a whole bunch of canadians and uh this is the lady that gets eaten <laughs> <laughs> what a beautiful face no offense to her but uh that was not the she best picture not, I could have ever taken. She doesn't look like she's happy to be in that movie, <laughs> in that picture. <laughs> I wouldn't have been. I would not either. But, like, oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine just being, like, a really good, like, well-respected actor and then just, like, your last movie is just, like, <laughs> just a bad. total <laughs> bomber. And I think there was, like, maybe one other actor in the Dracula versus Frankenstein movie, but it's just, like... And it was his last role, too, I think. I forget what his name was. Like, J. Carroll Nash or something like that. I forget. I, I don't want to say. I can't remember. <laughs> but 
like, and it, and it looks so bad. Like the Frankenstein monster just looks like his face is, just looks like a rotting potato, and and, and Dracula is like. Like, you know, like, if you think of, like, Bela Lugosi, Dracula, he's got, like, these wild staring eyes and just, like, they pierce into your soul. Dracula's, like, he's all white. Like, his face is, like, painted white. He looks kind of like Frank Zappa. Like, he has, like, a goatee and, like, a beard and, like, a mustache. And, like, I think the actor who played him went under a pseudonym because his name's, like, Sandor Vorkov. <laughs> so, like, obviously that's just means... I'm ashamed to be in this movie, and I'm going to do this cool, you know, pseudonym. <laughs> but even like... Xandor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Watch out. It's Xandor and, and the weird, Irish potato famine. They just have, like, this weird, like, echo effect on his voice, and he's just oh. got, like, he's always squinting and blinking, and he's just like, an infernal bloodbath will wash the earth that has never <laughs> seen before. <laughs> And he's got, like, a ring that shoots lasers or something. <laughs> and when they finally fight, they're, they're, like, in a church. And, like, I think, like, I don't know, Dracula wants some girl. And the Frankenstein monster is like, no, I must protect girl. <laughs> and they they fight in this church. And then they go outside. <laughs> and it's dark. So the first movie... With Dracula and Frankenstein fighting, people waited 40 years for this because both Dracula and Frankenstein came out in 1931. This is 1971. <laughs> and they're fighting in silhouette, and then <laughs> Dracula just starts ripping off the monster's limbs, and then he rips off his head. <laughs> and then it just ends. Like, I can't remember what happens after that. I feel like I want to say it just ends right there. Because that would just be really funny. <laughs> just like you can forget barely... Godzilla versus Kong, Dracula versus Frankenstein. It's just like I just thinking about it. It's just like man, <laughs> cringe. <laughs> it's just so stupid. I just it, but stuff like that just really makes me smile. You know, like Manos, the Hands of Fate, and oh. stuff like that. Although, granted, I do really like the music in that movie because like it's a lot of like really weird like jazz and like some of it's just like really just silly but like it's just like the whole like i so my mentor tim he one of his projects he did here at otterbein he combed through manos the hands of fate two or three times and took some of the best scenes and put it into a really really good horror trailer like a three-minute horror trailer that just made it seem like it was a really scary good movie and it's the funniest things in the world because it's it's not but he just he put all this stuff in there that just made it seem like it had so much passion put into the film and it's it's such a bad movie it is but like i don't know why but i really it's something about like the aesthetic of it and just like it had cool ideas but it was just a bad movie it's not done right and i like and just like even hearing about like the behind the scenes stuff like it was just a mess like i think like torgo who's like he has he's he's this guy who's like the caretaker of the house these people go to they're lost in the desert or something and he like he has like these really messed up looking legs like they're like really lumpy and i think like he was supposed to be like a satyr you know like yeah. Mr. Tubmas kind of thing 
and I think he wore them wrong, like the leg things. <laughs> <laughs> he just wore them. Backwards. The director was just like, you know what? We're not we're not spending more money on the costume people. You wear what you wear. <laughs> like it just and just like why and just like all this other stuff too and it's just, <laughs> and like I think people like booed it when it first came out or something like that and like yeah well it went right into public domain. Oh yeah, because that's how a uh, mystery science theater. That's the first episode is them reviewing Manos, the Hands of Fate, and it's. But it's just so like, Not and good. even like, I think a few years ago, I think it was like within the last ten years, there was this thing where they were like remastering it in HD because someone found like a <laughs> like a print, like a really good quality like surviving film print, and like they were showing clips of it, and I was like, this looks really good, and then when they were talking about, it's like, uh, it's like, uh, what about the audio? Just like, no, I'm just gonna leave the audio just the way it is. You know, <laughs> the audio so, is perfect. It's just so classically just bad. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> I like how they went, and it looks really good now. I think it's like 4K or something because like film technically has like no resolution, so you can like remaster it and remaster it and remaster it till it looks like you're not even looking at film anymore, <laughs> which is the magic of film. But, and it's just like. It looks really good, and it's like the original's like you know like VHS rip home whatever, and like you can barely tell what's happening in it, and it's like all dark. But now it's just like really bright and vibrant and colorful, and it's just like wow, <laughs> like like the mom like or like the dude's wife. Oh, yeah, it's the mom. They have a kid, but she has like it looks like brown hair in the original like print of it, but then like you see it in like the remastered it's like. Her hair's like red, and she's like, "Wow!" It's like I would have never known this. <laughs> <laughs> I would never have known this if they didn't put it in nice, crisp 4K. I know, and it's just like even like I just there's so much about that movie. It's just like it has a lot of promise to it, like the master, like his robes, like really cool and stuff. But they fail on everything. They manage to mess up everything, but it's like. But they messed it up so it's, bad. It's technically not a bad movie because it's so enjoyably bad. But then there's <laughs> movies that are just bad. And bad, yeah. And they're just not enjoyable. Like, uh, yeah, I think I probably brought this up before, but Alien Covenant. Yes. That movie was bad. It looked <laughs> good. It had very, it, like, some of the, the set design and stuff looked good. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> I was like, I went in with, I saw it in the theater and I went into it as an open mind. I was like, okay, you know, let, let, let's, let's give it a chance. Like I really was like, I'm going to give this movie a chance. And I, and just at every turn, it was just like, why is this happening? Why is this happening? What is the point of this? And just a lot of why. And then at one, and man, when I saw Michael Fassbender <laughs> kissing Michael Fassbender on the mouth, that was where I just, that was my breaking point. <laughs> I was like, oh, this, I mean, I was already kind of like turned off by it, but at this point I was like, now, like, you're <laughs> yeah, just, no, I'm walking out. <laughs> you're just, I didn't walk out, but I was like, you're just rubbing this in my face. Like, you're just like, yeah. Like, you, how this much, is bad and you'll like, like it. It's like, how much of this can you take? Can you take this? Can you take country roads for no reason? Can you take uh, going to this planet because? <laughs> there are now more bad alien movies than there are Spider-Man movies. I know. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a little bit ridiculous that you know Alien, Aliens, mwah, perfect masterpieces, and then 
everything else. Alien 3, Alien 4, Resurrection, yeah. or whatever it was called. And then you had Prometheus Alien, and Alien, Alien Covenant, Predator. Alien vs. Predator. I mean, I, heard, I haven't seen Prometheus, but I've heard there's, like, it's not the best, but I've heard there's, like, things it's, about it that are, like, they do something different. And I'm like, okay, that... Yeah, it, it wasn't meant to be an Alien movie. It's just that the concept was so similar to Alien that pretty much, I believe it was the producers of the studio at the time, was like, I make think, this an alien movie. Yeah, they put in like a xenomorph. The thing. They put in like a xenomorph at the end, and like that part was stupid. They, I think they just put that in because they're like, you need to put the xenomorph in the movie. So help <laughs> You're me making an alien movie, and it's an alien horror, and everything looks just like an alien. That means you're putting in alien. It's like if you don't put in the xenomorph, I'm gonna do something. <laughs> we're gonna put it in ourselves in post-production and like and like there's some i mean it seems like it brings different stuff to the table it does it, it's definitely a different movie it uh it falls into the generic horror trope of running away from something straight away instead of like zigzagging or running off to the left there's one part where like a character's running away yeah, from I something and that. the, the yeah. tower's falling and they're just running forward instead of to the left yeah and they get crushed and die and you're like what's the point of this if you had run to the left you could have lived and then you could have just stopped turned around and looked at the serpentine (laughs) yeah and ran forward and died and it's like well duh (laughs) it's like what are you expecting (laughs) i i think i I did hear about that part it's just like man i think with (laughs) alien covenant i feel like with the way it started out it was supposed to be like a prometheus sequel I don't know if it really needed one in the first place. I don't know because I that haven't was, seen Prometheus. That was the thought. But I think eventually it just got away from them. They're just like, you're going to call this movie Alien Covenant. <laughs> we okay. want the money. We want uh, Xenomorphs in it too. Okay, yeah, we're going to have Xenomorphs in it. All right, what else? Uh, we want Michael Fassbender <laughs> twice in it, and we want him to kiss himself <laughs> we're only paying him one paycheck but he's playing two characters don't worry about it i feel like michael fassbender just like he select i heard someone make a joke that he selects his movies by dartboard <laughs> like, he just shows up and you're like oh it's michael fassbender like he's, he's either in a really good movies like you know like one of my favorite movies i think he's in is called like frank where it's basically like it's about this guy he's an aspiring musician and he comes across this band whose leader wears a fake, a big fake head. And you never see his face. And so this guy joins this band and like, and he's just a really remarkably like talented, like songwriter and musician and stuff like that. But it's a really good movie and it's really funny too. And it's just like, and then you get like the Assassin's Creed movie. And it's just like, <laughs> got I did, through I, five, 10 minutes of that and went, hmm. No. I saw the trailer of it, and I was like, I was like, already this is not Assassin's Creed. <laughs> it's like this is, I was like, this is bad. I yeah, didn't even see the movie. Uh, well, you know, we had the fortunate situation of being able to see it for free due to means. And uh, Jimmy yeah, and I sat down to watch it. You knew a guy it. who knew a guy? Yeah, I knew a guy who knew a guy, you know. <laughs> and we sat down and watched it, and we're like, you know, we're going to watch the Super Mario Bros. movie instead. The Super Mario Brothers movie is actually pretty good. Like looking back, like for a while, it's like a lot of people are just like this movie's terrible. And then like, well, it's just, not a Mario movie. It's just a 
it's a creative movie, and I like it, and the humor's good. It's just, if you're making a Mario movie, you're not making that. Yeah, it's like, it has, it, but it's kind of cool. It has, like, dinosaurs, and it's, like, a kind of a Blade Runner kind of vibe with, like, the set design. Yeah, it's... And it has Dennis Hopper in it, who's, uh, like, <laughs> Dennis Hopper, I don't know, I, like, I've kind of, like, really noticed this recently. He's good literally everything he's in. Everything that I've seen Dennis Hopper in is, like, he's amazing. He's just so good. Like, like he's good in Easy Rider. He's good in, like, in Blue Velvet, which is, like, a David Lynch movie. And he basically, like, I don't know who he plays. I don't know if he's, like, a drug dealer or, like, a mob boss or what. But he's just insane. <laughs> but that's just what he's good at. And then he's, like, and then he's in the Super Mario Brothers movie and he's just Dennis Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I... I, I swear that movie was not meant to be Super Mario Bros. No. It was meant to be something else. And then studio comes in and says, "Hey, you know, we just bought the IP for Mario, and we're like, we want to use it and get some money from it. You you want to do something about that?" And the directors are just like, "Ah, it's just such a okay. si- it's such a <laughs> silly movie, but it's like it's not it's not bad. Like it's not like." It's an entertaining movie, though. Like, yeah, it's it's worth a for, watch. If for a you're... while, I was like, when I I watched it a lot when I was little, and I was like, this is a good movie. Like, I love this movie. It's the Super Mario <laughs> Brothers movie. But at first, I was kind of like, why do the Goombas look like that? Why? That's not Bowser. <laughs> you know? It's. But like. It's not Mario, but it's definitely a unique good movie. It is. In its own way. It's a good movie in its own right. But for a while, like, there was like a lot of people where it's just like. You hear a lot of people like, oh, oh, this movie's bad. This movie's and like you're for a while. Like, you haven't seen it in a long time, so you're like, oh, maybe it was bad. I don't know. And then you watch it, it's like, no, it's not bad. <laughs> it's not bad. It was just. But then uh, there's yeah? but then there's movies that you think are good when you're little, and then you go back and watch them, oh. and they're not as good. You remember Aragon? I heard about it. I think I saw like bits of it. That movie so, sounds. Is it that movie? It's based off that book about the dragon. Yeah. So the books did pretty well, um, and naturally. Some studio buys, I don't remember the studios, uh, buys the rights to Aragon and says, cool, let's make it into a movie and let's skip everything. And it was like, what? <laughs> so basically the person who wrote the books was inspired by Star Wars and Lord of the Rings and all that. And by God, it is Star Wars and Lord of the Rings just thrown together. It starts off with this poor farm boy <laughs> who's, you know, just living by himself. He's a kind of whiny uh but he's pretty hopeful and uh, just and then this whole fantasy thing happens with dragon knights and dragon riders and all that and somehow he comes across a dragon egg and just all these things and it's so bad of a movie i tried to rewatch it in february or march and i got maybe halfway through right to when Braun dies about maybe 30 40 minutes in who's jeremy irons and was the only good part of that movie. He did a great job in that role, but everything else was bad. And even his death was kind of like, eh? They didn't do it very well. He died fine, but it just it didn't feel so deserving of the character that had so much screen time in the beginning. And uh, it was just terrible, terrible plot. And John Malkovich is the main bad guy, and it starts off with John Malkovich as the bad guy <laughs> and doing something is like yes i want her killed to bring me the final dragon egg or something like that and i'm just like why would you have john malkovich as the bad guy he's just he's john malkovich like the only time i liked him was 
in it was called like Living as John Malkovich or something where they basically Being John Malkovich. Yeah, or they I have not discover, seen that movie, but I heard it's really good. They discover oh my gosh, it's so philosophical. But they discover a portal in like a doorway or something, kind of very Coraline style, where they crawl into John Malkovich and become him. <laughs> And then they get dropped off on the side of the highway after like an hour or something. So then they, like, the man does it and re falls in love with his wife. And then the wife does it and falls in love with other people. And John Malkovich is like, get out of my head. And uh, <laughs> it's just, it's so funny, but it's actually really, really deep and good because he's like, if you guys can just become me, what's the point of being me? And just, just. Just very deep things, um, but it's also very, very funny. I I don't know. That was the only time I liked John, John Malkovich in a movie. He's not a bad actor or anything. It's just I see him I see him as one of those people when he tries to play a different role. I just only see it as him, and it's just I had, not encapsulating. I kind of like some of what I've seen John Malkovich, and I can't remember a lot of, like, when I, like, Go back and assume it's like, oh yeah, that was John Malkovich. He's pretty good in this. <laughs> All right, he was in that one. But there was one I had at my work. Like, there was this guy I worked with who uh, he liked a lot of like movies from the eighties and stuff like that. Like really just cheesy action movies. He recommended me like Tango and Cash and like stuff like that. He he gave me all these DVDs of movies that he had. It was like. A League of Their Own. Uh, it was Crocodile Dundee and like, <laughs> stuff and like Radio Flyer and all these like 80s movies. And one of them was called like Rounders. It was about these poker players or something. I think I had Edward Norton and uh, I can't remember who the other guy was. But they basically like, oh wait, no, I think it was Matt Damon, <laughs> I think, and Edward Norton. That's, okay. I think that's what it was. But they're like, he plays game he plays like poker games and he loses all of his money to this russian guy <laughs> who is john malkovich and he's like <laughs> and like he's speaking rush he's like talking in like a russian accent and stuff but it's like i'm seeing it, it's like it's like yeah he seems like kind of a bad guy but like i see john malkovich at the same time yeah it's just john malkovich he's he's one of those people that's so identifiable that even though he's stepping he just, in as a role it's the just way like he talks and the way he just like just his mannerisms and like his face is just like that's John Malkovich. Oh, I uh, <laughs> we've been on for quite a while. It's been about an hour and a half. Oh wow! Yeah, there you go. When you have a good conversation, you have a good conversation. What can I say? So uh, we're gonna go ahead and get back to the radio here. You're gonna be listening to "Loneliness for Love" by Lovely the Band, and after that, on the floor by perfume genius i like that name that is a cool name you've been listening to retrospection radio hour with your host noah and nate and now you're gonna be listening to wobn 97.5 the wild card the wild card we'll catch you on the flip side <laughs>